You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Lagrida. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in your podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and reflections with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 312, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 291 to 299. 291. Within the mystical communion of the Church, however, are fought the hardest battles between the angels and the demons according to the different state of souls. All its members they commonly defend with the ordinary weapons furnished them by the sacramental character impressed upon the soul in baptism, by grace, by virtues, by the performance of good and meritorious works, by devotions to the saints, by the prayers of the just, and by all the good movements Catholics may have during their life. This defense of the just is most powerful, for since they are in grace and friendship of God, the angels obtain a greater right against the demons." And thus they rout them by showing up the holiness and perfection of these souls, which are so formidable to the powers of hell. And therefore this by itself ought to cause us to esteem grace beyond all creation. There are no other lukewarm and imperfect souls who fall into sin and occasionally rise again. Against these the demons obtain more power to persuade them with their cruelty. But the holy angels strenuously exert themselves in their defense, so that, as Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 42.3, the broken reed may not be crushed, and the smoking flax be not entirely extinguished. 2.92. There are other souls so unhappy and depraved that during their whole life after their baptism, they have not performed one good work, or if they have ever risen from sin, they have returned to it with such eagerness that they seem to have renounced their God, living and acting as if they had no hope of another life, no fear of hell, no repentance for any of their sins. In these souls there is no vitality of grace, no attempt at true virtue, nor have the holy angels any good or available grounds for their defense. The demons cry out, This soul, at least, is altogether ours, subject to our commands, and has no part in grace. They point out to the good angels all the sins, wickedness, and vices of such souls, which of their own free will serve such evil masters. What then passes between the angels and the demons is incredible and indestructible, because the demons exert all their fury to prevent such souls from receiving inspirations and helps. As they cannot resist the divine power, 
they seek at least with all their power to hinder them from attending or yielding to the call of heaven. With such souls, ordinarily it happens, that whenever God himself or through his holy angels sends them a holy inspiration or movement through these demons must first be put to flight and the soul snatched from their midst, lest these birds of prey immediately pounce upon and destroy the holy seed. This defense the angels usually conduct with the words which I have quoted above, who is like unto God that dwells on high, who like Christ at the right hand of the eternal Father, who is like to the most holy Mary, together with other sayings before, which the infernal dragons take flight. Sometimes they are thereby hurled back into hell, although not abating in their fury, they again return to their conflict. 293. Their hellish foes also strive with their force to induce men to multiply their sins, in order that the measure of their sins may so much the sooner be complete, and their time of penance and of life may come to an end. For them, the demons would be enabled to carry them off to eternal torments. But the angels who are rejoiced by the repentance of sinners, Luke 8.12, even though they may not be able to bring them to repentance, labor diligently to do away with occasions of sin, and to lessen the number of sins or prevent them altogether. And when, with all their efforts unknown to mortals, they cannot bring back the souls from sin, they resort to the intercession of the Most Holy Mother of God, asking her to be their mediatrix with the Lord, and lend her aid in confounding the demons. In order to move the merciful kindness the sooner, they induce the souls of sinners to practice some special devotion or perform some service in honor of the great lady. Although it is true that all good works performed in the state of sin are dead and very weak weapons against the devil, yet they always retain some remote appropriateness on account of the good end in view, and thus the sinner is less indisposed toward grace than without them. Moreover, these good works, when presented by the angels and especially by the Heavenly Mother, possesses, in the eyes of the Lord, a certain life, or the resemblance of it, altogether different from that given to them by the sinners. And therefore, though he does not bind himself to respond to them, he nevertheless does it on account of the one so asking. 294. In these different ways, an infinite number of souls come out of their sinful ways and are snatched from the claws of the dragon. And as there are innumerable sons who fall into such a dreadful state that they need a powerful aid, the Most Holy Queen interposes hers whenever the angels fail in their defense. The demons are fiercely tormented by their own fury whenever they perceive any sinner calling upon or remembering his queen, since they know by experience how kindly she receives sinners and how readily she makes their cause her own. Without hope or spirit of resistance, the devils immediately give themselves up as foiled and vanquished. It often happens when God desires to bring about some special conversion that the great queen herself peremptorily commands the demons to withdraw from this, that soul and sink into the abyss, and her commands are always obeyed. At other times, without such peremptory orders, God permits them to see the mysteries, the power and the holiness of his mother, and this new knowledge, filling them with consternation and confusion, puts them to flight. If the souls respond and cooperate with the grace obtained for them by the heavenly sovereign, they are freed from the attacks of the demons. 295. Yet though the intercession of the great queen and her power is so formidable to the devils, and though the Most High confers no favor upon the church or upon the souls without her, there are nevertheless many occasions in which the humanity of the incarnate word itself battles for us and defends us against Lucifer, 
declaring himself openly with his mother in our favor, and annihilating and vanquishing the demons. So great is his love for men and for all that pertains to their welfare, that this happens not only when the demons are made to feel directly the virtues of Christ and his merits through the operation of the sacraments in the souls, but also when in other miraculous conversions. He fills them with particular knowledge of one or more mysteries to their confusion and rout. Of such a kind was the conversion of St. Paul, of Mary Magdalene, and other saints, or whenever it is necessary to protect some Catholic kingdom or the church from the treachery and malice of hell for their destruction. On such occasions, not only his sacred humanity, but even the infinite divinity armed with the omnipotence of the Father advances upon the demonical hosts, filling them in the above-mentioned manner with the knowledge of the mysteries and of his omnipotence by which he overwhelms them and forestalls them in their real or intended conquests. 296. Whenever the Lord thus interposes such powerful aid, the whole infernal reign of confusion is terrorized and stricken down into the hellish abysses for many days, giving forth howls of mournful despair and totally unable to move from their places until the Lord again gives them permission to rise. But as soon as they receive permission, they again issue forth with their former fury for the ruin of souls. Although it may not seem in harmony with their pride and arrogance to enter into a new contest with the one by whom they have been overthrown and vanquished, nevertheless their jealous fear lest we come to the enjoyment of God and their furious desire to prevent it again prevail and urge them to continue their persecutions to the end of our lives. I was made to understand that if God were not so outrageously misused in his mercy, he would often interpose even miraculously his divine omnipotence in our behalf. Especially would he do this in defense of the mystical body of the church and of some of the Catholic governments, bringing to naught the counsels of hell for the destruction of Christianity in our times. We do not merit this protection of the infinite power, because all are united in rousing the divine wrath and the whole world has joined hands with the infernal fiends, into whose power it has fallen on account of the blind and insane pursuit of evil rampant among men. 297. In the conversion of St. Paul, this assistance of the Most High is openly manifest, for he had set him apart even in the womb of his mother, and chosen him as an apostle and as a vase of election. Although his life before the persecution of the church was a series of events which deceived the demons, just as he is deceived in many other souls, yet God watched him from the moment of his conception and regulated his natural character and the care of the angels in his defense and protection. Hence, the hatred of the devil and their desire of causing his death in the first years of his life increased. As they failed in this, and as they latter saw him become a persecutor of the church, they were solicitous to preserve his life. When the holy angels found themselves powerless to withdraw Paul from the air to which he had entirely dedicated himself, the powerful queen entered the combat and made his cause her own. Through her, Christ and the Eternal Father interposed his divine assistance and snatched him from the grasp of the dragon. In one instant, at the apparition of the Lord, all the demons that accompanied St. Paul on the way to Damascus were hurled to the abysses. 298. On that occasion, Lucifer and his cohorts felt the lash of the divine omnipotence. Filled with fear and consternation, they, for some days, lay lifeless in the depths of the infernal caverns. But as soon as the Lord took away from their minds the remembrance of the divine mysteries, they began to breathe forth new wrath, 
The great dragon called together the rest and spoke to them, How is it possible to rest when every day I see new injuries heaped upon me by this incarnate word, and by this woman who conceived and bore him as man? Where is my strength? Where is my power? And of what use is my fury and the triumphs which I gained over him among mortals ever since God without reason cast me from the heavens to this abyss? It seems, my friends, that the Omnipotent intends to seal up the portals of these infernal regions and open those of heaven, which would be the destruction of our reign and of all my coveted designs to drag to these torments the rest of mankind. If God, besides having redeemed men, works for them such miracles, if he shows them such love and seeks to draw them to his friendship by such powerful works of his right hand, they will permit themselves to be overcome even if they have all the disposition of wild beasts and hearts of adamant. All will love and serve him, if they are not more obstinate and rebellious than we ourselves. What soul can be so callous as not to be drawn to this God-man, who with such a tender love seeks its eternal glory? Saul was our friend, a willing instrument of my designs, subject to my will and command and enemy of the crucified, and I had destined him for most cruel torments in this hell. In the midst of all this, God suddenly snatches him from my hands and by his divine power raises this insignificant creature of the earth to such high grace and favors that we, his enemies, are astounded. What has Paul done to deserve such an exceeding good fortune? Was he not in my service offending his God? If God has been so liberal with him, what protection will he not lavish upon other less grievous sinners? And even if he does not convert them by such great miracles, he will gain them through baptism and other sacraments by which they can justify themselves day by day. This example of God's mighty defense of the church at the time when I attempted to destroy it through Saul will draw all the world to his service. Is it possible that I should see vile humankind raised to the grace and happiness which I have lost, and that it should occupy the heaven from which I have been hurled? This thought torments me more furiously than the fires of hell. I am filled with a powerless rage against myself for not being able to destroy myself in my wrath. Would that God himself would do it instead of preserving me in these torments. But since this is not to be, tell me, my vassals, what shall we do against this so powerful God? Him we cannot injure, but in those whom he loves so much we can avenge ourselves, because in them we can oppose his will." And since my majesty is most offended and incensed against this woman, our enemy, who gave him human being, I wish to inaugurate new ways of destroying her and avenging ourselves for having robbed us of Saul and cast us into these abysses. I shall not rest until I shall have vanquished her. For this purpose, I resolve to execute all the plans formed against God and man after my fall from heaven. Come, all of you, to help me in my designs and to execute my will. 2.99 Such were the words of exhortation addressed to the demons by Lucifer. Some of them answered, Our captain and leader, we are ready to obey thee, knowing how much this woman, our foe, oppresses and torments us. But it is possible that she by herself, without other aid, may resist us, despising all our efforts and attacks, as we have seen on other occasions, when she showed herself altogether our superior in strength. What she feels most is to see us attack the followers of her son, because she loves them and is solicitous about them as a mother. 
Let us raise a general persecution against the faithful, for we have at our service the whole of Judaism, now incensed against the new church of the crucified. Through the priests and Pharisees we may succeed in all our attempts against the faithful, and thus vent our wrath against this hostile woman. Lucifer approved of this counsel and showed favors to the demons who had given it. Thus agreed, they issued forth to destroy the church by hands of others, just as they had attempted it through Saul. Thence resulted what I shall relate further on, and also the battle of the Most Holy Mary against the dragon and his host, wherein she gained such great victories for the Holy Church. To this battle I referred in the sixth chapter of the first part, and there stated that I had reserved it for this place. Of it I shall speak in the next chapter. This concludes our reading today for day number 312. We have been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 291 to 299. I think it's important as we hear this reading today that we don't lose hope and that we don't lose faith. That we don't lose hope that a hardened sinner may be converted. Just think about some of these individuals who have had major conversion experiences. They've gone to a place of Mary's apparition, or they had this breakthrough moment in which God entered into their life, and they were able to renounce those sins. They wanted to live a more godly life. So there's always hope in this battle that we heard about in our readings today. Now, interestingly enough, at the very end of our reading today, we heard how Satan continues this war with Our Lady. And we go back to Revelation 12 and the dragon and the woman. We know that this is quite scriptural. But there is this war and Our Lady wants to fight that battle alongside us. And one of the great weapons she has given us is that of the Holy Rosary. That when we cling to those beads, that when we cry out to Mary, that there we experience power, that that is a weapon for us in our spiritual battles. I always go back to the words of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who said, look up to the star, cry out to Mary in the midst of temptations or whatever, cry out to Mary. Well, Mary wants to battle right alongside us. And if this war, and we know this war is going on, this war between heaven and earth, good and evil, Mary and the devil, well, we know that there are great places that we can go. That that war, in a sense, Mary speaks words and she calls people back through apparitions. Her shrines are oases of conversion. They're places where the message of Mary breaks through into their hearts and they begin to look for the Lord Jesus. They want to go to the sacraments. Our Lady is going to win. It's what she told us in Fatima. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. Let's pray and fight for the triumph of that heart. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.